This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. As I step into this message, I pondered a lot about what I will be sharing with the church about. Uh, Now, traditionally, Sonia has spoken every Mother's Day. Uh, and uh, I, I asked her a few weeks ago, hey, do you want to speak? And she's like, I don't think I'm ready. And uh, she said, I'll probably take a year's break. Uh, but I, 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 this is so my first time speaking on Mother's Day here at Commission. And, uh, you know, I prayed about what God wanted me to share with the church as well as mothers. And uh, I didn't want to take away from the fact that we usually do expository studies here of breaking down the word and teaching the word in an expository way. Uh, I, I began to think about the influence of my parents on my life and uh, parents' influence on their kid, kids at large. Uh, and I, I know, as you probably know, how important and how big of a role parents play in the lives of their kids. Uh, whatever you model for your kids in your marriage is usually transferred to your kids. Uh, your daughter would probably want to marry if you, if you fathered her right or if you were a great father to her. She would want a hu- husband that is very similar to you or have very similar characteristics uh, that you would probably have. Or if uh, you raise her right as a mom, uh, raised him right as a mom, uh, oftentimes I see a lot of uh, boys wanting very similar characteristics in his wife as his mother uh, because of everything that he saw growing up and the way that he was brought up in. I noticed that with our girls, we have three girls now, but two of them primarily, I notice how they usually observe us very, very closely, uh, be it in all times, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. They are keen observers of how their parents conduct themselves. It can be in moments where we embrace and we're holding hands and I'm looking at her very dearly and uh, they will come and they will creep up. They might be doing whatever they're doing, but they will creep and they will stand and they will just look at you. And we'll have to like look at them from the corner of our eyes and be like, all right, let's keep this PG-13, uh, you know, let's just not. But, but we love the fact that they are so, so in love with the fact that we are in love. And then in other moments when we have uh, spiritual encounters of sorts where we argue uh, and we fight. We try not to do that when the kids are around, but we're humans too, and we have arguments. Uh, We also see how they very keenly observe how we talk to one another, how we treat one another. Um, And we try our best not to do that in front of our kids, but when we let it slip, like last week, we had our two-year-old screaming at us and saying, stop, 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 because we say that to them when they fight. So she was telling us to stop our argument, and we had to reassure that it wasn't an argument. It was just that we were passionate uh, in our argument, but um, in our discussion. But, um, but uh, the, the idea is uh, the, the model that we, uh, we, we portray in our marriages transfers to how our children portray, uh, think about us, uh, grow up to be adults of their own. Um, Today I want to be very sensitive as well, uh, because I honor many of you who have probably lost your mom. Uh, It could have been uh, in the distant past, or it could be uh, in the the recent times. Um, And I know it's probably very difficult for you right now, and it's probably very difficult for you to have made up your mind to actually come to service today. And I know a lot of people that don't regularly attend or uh, traditionally attend Mother's Day services at churches because it is a very hard pill to swallow. 
And if you chose to come today, and if you lost your mother unexpectedly or uh, with, with sickness, disease, illness, doesn't matter, uh, I, want, I want to let you know that you are loved, and I want you to know, I, I want to say thank you so much for coming, and coming this weekend, and thank you for coming and worshiping with us today. I want to honor you, I want to honor your mom, and I want to honor the legacy that she probably left behind uh, in, in you and in your siblings, probably. And for other people, life has probably been harder for some of, some of y'all. Uh, you've possibly had a miscarriage. Uh, and this weekend is hard because it reminds you of all the hopes and dreams and, uh, and, and, and plans that you had for yourself and for your children or for those children that were miscarried. And uh, you can't celebrate it because it's not easy on you. And I know various people uh, sitting over here as well as people that were in our first service that have probably been through a situation like this. In fact, uh, just this last week, we, I, I actually talked to three families uh, that have had a very similar situation in their past sometime or are going through something very similar in the present. For some others, you can't wait to be a mom. And I pray that God will grant you the desires of your heart in his time because his time is perfect and his time is beautiful. But in all aspects... If you're a mom right now or if you're not a mom, uh, if you were a mom or if you're going to be a mom, I want to say thank you because your dedication, your selfless love does not go unnoticed. Uh, in fact, there was a study conducted recently that said that if a stay-at-home stay mom had to get an annual salary, that would actually come up to around $165,000 a year. I know some of y'all went, sign me up. <laughs> uh, and for those of y'all who are already stay-at-home moms, you're probably saying uh, you probably don't want to sign up for that because uh, you don't know what you're asking for. And, and I love that fact. And if you're a stay-at-home mom, I have mad respect for you because it's not an easy job. Uh, and for those of y'all who tackle the home and a job and all of that stuff, man, it's an amazing thing you do. But as a pastor, I love the Bible because of the dignity and the praise and the value that it gives to women. Uh, it values and honors women. The Bible is very, very keen and very, very detailed when it comes to the honor that it renders to women. From Sarah to Rebecca to Hannah to Esther, Elizabeth, or Mary Magdalene, who was the first person that preached the gospel uh, on Easter Sunday. Uh, or if it was the many women that were a part of the upper room experience in Acts chapter 2, who spoke in tongues and who preached and who prophesied. It was a woman's testimony that at the resurrection of Jesus that was counted as credible and that people said, this is a good testimony. God has always placed a high value on women. And this is, if you ask me in many terms, countercultural from a biblical standpoint, because uh, the Bible was written in times where, uh, the Old Testament times, where a man could, in, as an example, a man could divorce a wife without any grounds, without any reason, so to speak, because he could. Uh, Jesus tells a man to actually love and honor his wife. It was countercultural. The teachings of Jesus were radical in that it, it went exactly against everything that would otherwise be mentioned across the Old Testament and how they lived their lives in those times. 
you know, before the Bible actually talks about how, uh, and a lot of us actually notice that, where we talk about how uh, women are supposed to submit to their husbands and uh, honor their husbands, but oftentimes we miss out the part that Paul also talks about how husbands and wives should submit to one another. That is revolutionary if you ask me. And if you ask me, God always wants to use a man or a woman. If God wants to use a man or a woman, it always starts in the womb of a woman. It starts in the womb of a mother. In Numbers chapter 26, verse 59, we're introduced to this woman called Shochebed. And and this woman was a woman that bore three children, particularly one that we all know by name and have preached about, watched movies about. Uh, Jochebed was a woman that God had called and married a godly man, and we'll learn about that in a few minutes. But in Numbers 26, 59, and you can join with me as I read the word, uh, this is what the Bible says. The name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, a descendant of Levi, who was born to the Levites in Egypt. To Amram, she bore Aaron, Moses, and their sister, Miriam. Uh, as just as a backdrop, this would probably be the only place in the Bible that you would find, or before the Exodus rendition of this, of this story, you would find that the name Jochebed is not mentioned in the Exodus story, but it was mentioned in Numbers when the, uh, the, the, um, the, sto- the, the family line has been mentioned in this passage. In Exodus chapter number one, the Jewish people Uh, We're introduced to the Jewish people who moved to Egypt because it was a prosperous country. It was a huge move that happened when, if you would notice, or if you remember in Genesis, we studied the story of Joseph, who was brought into the land of Egypt, and God blesses him and places him in places of authority. His family comes back. He makes amends with his families, his brothers who once put him down, who wanted bad and ill for him, who wanted to kill him, and then sold him to the slave, uh, sold him to traders, who then took him to Egypt. Joseph goes, invites his brothers back, makes amends with him, and the descendants of those people that came and settled with Joseph then began to take their roots uh, throughout, in verse chapter number one, we will see that. They began to take their roots in Egypt. Egypt kind of became this country where uh, the Jewish people started to settle in, and they kind of embraced it because of the honor and the respect that they gave Joseph and the position that Joseph held. Uh, But like all things and like all countries and all cultures, a majority culture always likes diversity till the minority increases to the 15% or the 20% mark. And that goes to religious diversity, it goes to cultural diversity, uh, populace, it doesn't matter. All across the board, diversity is always appreciated and encouraged and applauded as long as it stays below a particular percentage. After that, for some reason or the other, the human race detests diversity. So in Exodus chapter one and verse eight, we're introduced to this new king who comes into the picture. He does not like the idea of millions of Jewish people residing and living in the country. He sees them as a threat. He wants to completely eradicate the Jewish population. So for the next 400 400 years, he takes them through this period of slavery and he makes them his slaves and they are slaves in the land that they used to be citizens of. Uh, In Exodus chapter number two, 
were then introduced to a family. And that's where we begin our study this morning. Exodus chapter number two, verses one onwards. Now, it's not gonna be on the screen because we here want to encourage you to bring your Bibles or bring your Bibles out. Take your Bibles out. It could be your actual Bibles or your, your screens, wherever your Bibles are. Turn to the book of Exodus, chapter number two. It's the second book of the Bible. You cannot miss it. Verse number one. And I'm gonna read from the ESV. You can follow in whatever translation you have. Here's what the Bible says. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived, that, that first sentence or the first verse is very important. We're gonna come back to it. Likewise, the second, and the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When he could hide him no longer, she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made out of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would become of him. Verse five, now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, a baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to the Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse, for, uh, call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Verse eight, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. Close your eyes, pray with me. Father, would you speak to us through your word? Lord, give me the ability to break this word down and convey it in the same way you spoke it to me. I pray, God, that this will not be lost in uh, translation. It will not be lost in interpretation. Holy Spirit, would you give me the ability to interpret this accurately? And I pray that every heart here will be uh, open to receiving this word. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a beautiful story where a classic case many, many years ago, I spoke about, uh, I, I spoke a sermon titled, uh, Where Anointing Meets Anointing. Uh, the story starts with an anointed man and an anointed woman. I wanna make, it, make this very clear. Marriage is God's idea. One man and one woman coming and becoming one flesh has always been and will always be the biblical ideal for marriage. It doesn't matter what the culture concocts. It doesn't matter what the culture says is marriage. It doesn't matter what the judicial systems will change it as. It will always been, and it has always been, one woman and one man coming in biblical union. Uh, marriage is the foundation of society. And the story always starts with two people that are equally yoked in Christian marriage. And I want to be very clear, there are young people that are listening to me, there are married and unmarried people, there are young adults sitting here. When you decide to marry somebody, when you decide to get into a serious relationship with somebody, I pray that you will get into it with a lot of diligence, and I pray that you will get into it with a lot of prayer, and never submit yourself into a relationship where the person that you are dating or in a relationship with 
is not a believer of Jesus Christ. If he or she does not follow Jesus or does not know Jesus as their personal savior, do not get into a relationship with that person. You have the task or the responsibility if that person was somebody of interest to first lead them into a personal relationship with Jesus and then pursue a relationship once that person understands who Jesus truly is. All right. Now that I said that, there is this man and this woman that, that, that makes sure that they have a biblical union. And what you're going to learn in a few minutes is what a biblical union and a, and a union that God has blessed can do to a family and can do to a nation and can do to a church body even. All right? Then I'm pretty sure these two men, these two people, these two adults, the consenting adults that got into a union, they've had two children before, all right, two children. One is Miriam, the other one's Aaron, a girl and a boy. They're, they're about to have the third one. And I don't know if they had this discussion of saying, hey, do we want to bring another child into this world of slavery that we're in? Do we want to bring another child into this world of torment and this world that, that kids don't get to enjoy themselves the way they should? Should we bring another child into this dark world? I go through so many people that I couple, couples that I counsel regularly, daily, day after day, where they don't want to have children because of the evil world that we live in. I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to listen clearly. The evil will never leave this world. You will always be faced with evil. The God of this world, which is the devil, will always pose different threats of evil in this world for you to, to encounter, for you to face, for us to face. But God gives us the strength to still be able to be fruitful and multiply, but make sure and do everything in our capacity to make sure that these children that we bring into this world are raised in the standards of God Almighty. I love it when I heard how, how kids said, I love it when my mom prays for me. I love it when my mom lets, reads the Bible with me, so on and so forth. It's amazing when children are brought up in the ways of the Lord. Why have a child in, the, in a dark generation as this is what parents probably say. I'll give you an answer because it's God's idea. Because marriage is God's idea. Because children is God's idea. Because the Bible says children are a heritage. Children are a blessing. Children are given by God. It's a gift from God because God wants one godly man and one godly woman to bring forth children who are the light in this world. If you think that the world is dark, we need more light of, the, of Jesus to shine in this dark world so they can go and influence the dark world. Only, the only way to quench darkness is to have more light. We need more Christian families. We need more godly mothers. We need more godly kids that these mothers can influence and bring into the scene. So we're introduced to these three amazing kids, Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. Of course, circumstances will tell them, you're not supposed to have another child. Come on, you, 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 don't have, you probably don't have the money. You probably are not in the right space for that. You're probably not, the desire is there. Man, we wanna bring, we wanna have a bigger family, but how do we bring it into this situation that we're in? How do we bring it into this marriage that we're in, right? The circumstances were bad. Now I'm talking to some married folk here, right? Uh, or I'm talking to some unmarried folk over here. Uh, we'll talk to some married folk. But gentlemen, here's the thing, single men, if you have found a woman who makes you, uh, who, who, if you have found a woman who makes you a better man, who is a helper like God wants her to be, if you have a hinderer, run. 
If you have a helper, man, you put a ring on that finger. It's important. It's not just enough to just walk around with her, to date her for years to end. If she's a keeper, if she's a helper, put a ring on it because before you put something in her, you gotta put something on her. Come on, somebody. Commitment is important. So men that are listening to me, commit into relationships because marriage is God's idea. Some of y'all don't like what I'm talking about here. But we don't have a Moses without his mother. We're not gonna have the salvation of three million Jews without his mother. We don't have the exodus without this mother that is godly. Some mothers over here, without your knowledge, because of the decisions that you're making, because of the, the things that you're doing to raise your children, the way you're raising them, you are creating world changers without your knowledge. And today what I wanna share is four marks of a mom of faith. Four marks that made Jochebed a woman of faith. Point number one is this. A godly mother, a mom of faith, sees potential. She sees. Write it down. It says, she sees. In verse number two of Exodus chapter two, the Bible says, when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Man, the Bible says simply this. She saw a special baby in him. The, the Bible literally translates that word special in high and noble purpose, with high and noble purpose. In Hebrews 11, actually, the Bible says how he was an unusual child. The word over there is the word osteos, which means elegant. It means refined. That's what this child was about. She could see it. She had one child, she had the second, and now they were going for the third. Everything would have told her not to. Everything, the circumstances and the, the mode of slavery they were in, they would have said, what are you thinking, uh, Jacobet? Why do you bring another child into this equation? But Bible scholars will tell you that the verbiage used over there is a confirmation that this husband and this wife had in their heart that said, this is from God. The reason why they went ahead with this baby, the, the reason why they said, let's, let's entertain this idea was because God planted it in their heart and God planted it in their mind even before anything had happened. She was able to see it. She was able to hear God's voice. For some of y'all, it might be that woman's intuition. It wasn't that he had great qualities. He, he was not a great orator. He wasn't a great, you know, and we're gonna talk about it in just a second, but what she saw inside of him was God's blessing and God's voice on his life. I pray that we would have moms that see the best inside of your children. I pray that you would be able to see things that others will not be able to see. All right, she saw. It wasn't a, a feeling that she had, but she saw by faith. She wasn't just walking. She didn't see what, she, she probably saw what other people didn't see. I'm pretty sure that he had his flaws, right? I mean, as he grew up, we know that he was a man of anger, right? What are the other things? We knew that he had a speech deficiency. We know that he dealt with fear. There were a lot of these flaws, but in the middle of all of that, before even he was born, he knew that this was from God. Remember, children are a blessing. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what labels have been put on mothers. It doesn't matter what people said about your mother. It doesn't matter what people said about your kid. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. It doesn't matter the labels society is putting and clinical science is putting. It doesn't matter. A lot of this does not matter to God because God said, your child was my idea. 
It doesn't matter. Health issues and everything. Eczema and everything. Allergies and everything. Come on, somebody. He or she was created in my image. She is good. He is good. And because of that, my trademark is upon this child. This baby saw the best inside of her and said, this is from God. Do not allow your shortcomings or your kid's shortcomings to tell you that that isn't God's idea. Always see beyond the labels, see beyond the temper tantrums, see beyond the behavioral issues, see beyond the labels that man can put on them and say, you know what, I'm not just looking at now, I am looking inside of you because you are a promise from God and if you are a promise from God, you are a man and a woman of promise and I'm gonna see that happen sometime down the line. Hmm. Because in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, the Lord is encouraging some of us, just not mothers, to live by faith, walk by faith and not by sight. Because sight will point to the things that are immediate. Hey, you have this and this and this and this going on in your life, and because of this and this and this, your life will turn out that way. But faith looks at you and says, despite of this and this and this and this, if it was God's idea, and if God's anointing and presence is on your life, he will bless you, he will keep you, he will make your territory to be enlarged. He will anoint you. We live by faith, not by sight as Christians. What is it that God asked the major players of the Bible, be it a Jeremiah, be it an Isaiah, be it a Daniel? God looks at them and says, man, what do you see? Visions. He, what do you see, Isaiah? Isaiah has to tell them, Ezekiel, what do you see? Jeremiah, what do you see? Because God can use what you see and what you profess to you. Come on, and because for some of us, unless we see it, yes. hmm, God can't take what you see in the vision and, tra and transpose it and, and make it something better, something bigger. God is looking at some of us to open our eyes and see what you see is important. If you see by faith, you can do by faith. For some of us, God is looking at some mothers and some fathers to break the glass ceiling over your child. Some of them are placed on themselves. I can't do it, Dad. I can't do it, Mom. I just can't do it. God is looking at some people to say, man, I, to, to look at your children and just not give up on them, but, but, but breathe life into them. Speak life over them and say, by God, all things are possible. I know that you, you say that you can't, but God can do this. If you look at Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy and he looks at you and says, Timothy, can I tell you why you're anointed? Can I tell you why you're a man of God? Can I tell you why you're a woman of God? And God is encouraging some of y'all today the same way he told Timothy. It was, it, was, it was your mom. It was your grandmom. The reason the gift of God is upon your life is because somebody saw something in you. Somebody saw you in the spirit. It was just not the natural, but somebody saw something beautiful inside of you. Some of us have to see it inside of us. I thank God for a godly mom. I thank God because she saw something in me when nobody else saw something in me. At the age of eight, I started preaching. I walked up to her one day and I said, Mom, I'm gonna preach. It was at a fasting prayer and she still recollects, recollects to this day that I walked up to her and said, Mom, I wanna preach. And she goes, what? You wanna preach? What are you gonna preach? Like, I don't think we had this conversation at home before we came here. And I looked at her and said, Psalms 23. I don't know what I said that day, but she said on that day she knew that God's promises was true in my life because, the, 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 because before I was born, God looked at her and said, I'm gonna give you a son. I'm gonna give you a son and he's gonna do the ministry of the Lord at a very young age. 
And she said, the moment you came and told me I'm going to preach, I didn't tell you to sit down. I didn't tell you to don't make an embarrassment of me. She, I, she, she, didn't, she, she didn't do any of that. She said, go do what God is telling you to do. It was amazing. I started preaching. You know why? That, if my mom looked at me and said, no, 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 just think, think about this before you do anything. Because at, at the age of eight, I had a stammer. I was a stutter. I was a, I was a bad stammer. And I would stammer through my sentences. I couldn't go through one sentence without stammering. People would laugh at me. So when, when, I would, when I actually went up to my mom, the response should have been, Ashish, do you really want to be laughed at? Can you please sit down somewhere? But the moment I said that to her, she said, do it. She said, do it. I thank God for people that can see through you despite of your circumstances. I thank God for each one of you that can look at your children and say, I don't care what the, what the world, I don't care what the school system labeled you as. I don't care what the doctors labeled you as. I don't care what your health diagnosis is. I don't care. If God gave you to me, he gave you to me beautiful. He gave you to me whole. He gave you to me perfect. And if God's word is upon you, I'm going to run with it because what no eye can see, no ear can hear, what no heart can ever imagine, God has in store for you. And I want to remind some of you children sitting over here, young, old, it doesn't matter. God's plans for you are not done until he says it is done. If your mom saw potential in you, God is looking at you and saying, why do you think you can't do it? Hmm. So she looks at Timothy and says, man, it was your mom, it was your grandma. There were people that believed in you. I pray that some of you will have the faith to lay your hands on your children, pray for your children, pray over them. Point number two is this, she protects. Point number two is she protects. Verse number two, when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. The Bible says she protected him. Mothers protect, that's what mothers do. The Bible compares a mother to a hen, a chicken, a hen, who, who, who makes sure that she, she covers her, her little chicks, her little babies under her feathers causing no harm to come to them. She wasn't a helicopter mom. That's not what I'm getting at, like some of our today's moms. I'm gonna step on some toes today. I don't want my child to be exposed to UV rays. Oh, we're gonna, I'm gonna get into trouble. Just a touch of gluten for you. One drop of lactose, nothing more than that. See, I think we have to be careful but don't be like overly, I don't know. No, I'm going to get into trouble for this. So you know what? I'm going to get some emails, some messages on Instagram, uh, some text messages from some moms saying, Pastor, I think we need to tone it down. So I'm going to leave it at that. Protecting kids. What are we protecting our kids from? There are far bigger dangers that we're not seeing, guys. We're focusing on dangers that we shouldn't be focusing on. Like what dangers? Are you, like if... Like for some of us, it's we're protecting them by making them accepted. Like, oh, you, if, if they're wearing the same shoes like their friends are wearing, like those expensive ones that you can't afford, but you still buy it for them, you're protecting their self-image because we don't want them to get bullied in school. So pastor, we're just gonna give in to that. We're gonna protect them. Protection looks like making sure that they make the dance team. That's what protection looks like. Protection makes sure, looks like they're gonna make the sports team. That's what protection looks like. But you know what the real danger is? The real danger is finding out who their friends are. That's like, let, let, me, let me know who you play with. Let me know who you're talking to. Like, 
Who are your influencers? We live in an influencer society. Like, who is influencing you right now? The other day, my five-year-old called Sonia bro. Okay? Sorry, my six-year-old. She just turned six. She said, what did she say? She said, what you talking about, bro? And Sonia just gave her this stare and said, what did you say to me? I'm like, where's she hearing this from? Not, not from me. Like, I, I don't call her, bro. <laughs> like, what are their influencers? Can I tell you one of the biggest things that you need to be worried about and you need to protect your children from? It's this thing. Yes. The apple. Screens are a gateway to good and evil. Okay, some of y'all are going to like this, some of y'all are not, but until you're certain that they know how to tune out evil and tell evil from good, the apple does not belong in their hand. This is the tree of good and evil. All right, we don't have the Garden of Eden, we don't have a physical tree, but I'm trying to drive this into some caring, protecting moms who hesitate to say no sometimes for the danger of not being cool. If you, some of y'all probably given into it already, all right? Y'all have given into it, and I know parents sitting over here who would not hesitate to take away the apple when they see their kids biting at it. And I applaud you for doing that, don't hesitate. If you see them biting at that apple, you protect them by taking it away from them. You know how to protect them? You should be able to love them enough, all right, to be able to handle their, you don't love me anymore. Anybody with teenagers here? I don't want, I I can't wait for my kids to grow older, but I just, I'm okay. I'm okay. 13 can't, no. Or the, you're not cool. You're not a cool mom. My friend's moms are cool. You're not a cool mom. But everybody's parents allowed them to do it. How many of y'all have heard that? But my six-year-old does it. But everybody's parents do it. I said, but I'm not everybody. Sorry, baby. That's great for your friends, but mm-mm, not in the Matthew household. Six years old, she asked us to do a sleepover the other day, and I was like, nope, not happening. But everybody did, nope. If you say that I don't love you, I don't care. I love you enough to know that you don't mean that, all right? I love you enough to protect you and to say that's not going to happen. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, come on, I thought you're, you're a little more progressive and not that traditional. I gotta protect my girls. God's given me, because one day I feel like all of us parents are gonna stand in front of the Lord and he's gonna ask us for an account of how we raised our kids. This might seem cool to some, may not seem cool to others, but when your kids say, man, I can't wait to leave this house, they don't mean it. They, they don't want to be out of the streets. Like, they want to stay at home as long as they can. They don't, don't give in to that. The third point is this. She sacrifices. Point number three. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made out of bulrushes, daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put a child in it, placed it among the reeds by the river bank. You know what protection is? Protection is this. 
Okay, I want you to listen to this. Protection is making sure that you do everything in your ability to make sure that the boat is safe. See, here's the thing that parents can't do and can do. You can make sure, all right, the boat is on water. Now, by default, every boat is gonna get on the water. Your kids are gonna get on the water. You can ensure that the water does not get into the boat. Am I talking to somebody? You can't stop the boat from getting on the water. It's gonna eventually happen, no matter if you homeschool your kids, no matter if you shelter your kids, no matter if you put a, ground them, no matter how many restrictions you put on, that does not matter. The boat is eventually gonna hit the water, but you have e-many years to make sure that you put everything in your capacity. It could be the bit human, I don't know what that is, or pitch, whatever it is, make sure that your boat is sealed so good that when that boat hits the water, culture will not even have one crevice or hole or place to seep right in and for the water to get inside the boat. You have that ability to do that. Am I talking to somebody? Only a mother full of faith could wean a baby knowing that she has to give him up soon. Mother gets him back. She knows it's only going to be a short time. So this princess looks at him and says, I'll pay you to nurse. Ooh, full-time job. Come on, somebody. I'm getting paid to be a stay-at-home mom. Come on. Six-figure salary. But by faith, she's about to make a sacrifice. Painful. How many mothers make sacrifices every single day? I know of a mother that makes sacrifices every single day. Sonny and I have conversations every day as to the promotions she gave up at work and the, and, the, and the stuff that she gave up and the opportunities that came knocking at her door and the, and the, and the opportunities that she had to be manager and, 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 and go up the ranks in, in the corporate circles that she had to turn down because she wanted to be at home with the kids. Because she wanted a job that allowed her to work from home because her promotions wouldn't allow her to work from home. But she said, I have these many years with my kids and I want to make sure that I'm at home to take care of my kids. I don't know how many of you made sacrifices, but she's about to make this painful decision uh, to, to let go. Painful for her, but it was going to be better for him. Deep inside, she knew that he was called, that he was anointed, he was special. She knew that he, she, she had to release him. She knew that this child was not only hers, but was also God's child. She put him in this, in this boat-like looking thing, this, this little basket, the little literal word for it is ark, like the ark that Noah built. He, she put him in this basket and her loss was gonna be a nation's gain. What she was about to give up, the separation set a miracle in motion. Some of us don't know, but the moment you trust God, to sacrifice, to let go. God's like, man, you, don't, you have no idea what I can do in this person's life, but some of us, we need to know that our sacrifices often will yield big results. Sometimes it might not happen in your lifetime. Sometimes it might not happen in front of your own eyes. It may not happen in the same city. It might not be the same thing that you envisioned to happen, but it will happen. Hmm. 
God has anointed so many people here today to maybe be the princesses. Because I've heard so many messages about Jochebed, but not a lot of people talk about Pharaoh's daughter. Not, I've never heard a message on Pharaoh's daughter, but there's a woman that God orchestrated to be there in a moment like that, to adopt a child. I don't know if she could physically not bear a child, but all I know is that woman was willing to raise, put her life on the line to make sure that she raised somebody else's child. Can I be very honest with you? I think God gives an immense grace to some women and some men to go through adoption processes where they can adopt somebody that's not theirs. And I pray that if you ever get the chance to do that, and if you have the grace to do that, that you will be that person that offers a lease of life to somebody that otherwise would not get that opportunity. The option was this. One was for this child to be killed at the hands of Pharaoh or for her to have faith to release this child. So what does she do? She does this. The fourth point is this. She trusts God. A woman of faith, a godly woman, trusts God. Verse number 10, when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and she became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Oh man, this is, this is good. The more and more we understand this, see, she trusted God because she saw a gift inside of him. She had to trust God's purpose that God would protect him, like she had done her job and she can't keep doing it forever. Some mom sitting over here, my word for you is this. Some of you are holding on to things that need to mature, but you're holding on because you feel like it's your responsibility to nurture, to care till the end of time. And God's like, no. I cannot do what I want to do in their life. It could be hard, the hard way. It could be by cutting them to their knees. It could be the, the, the tough decision of, of them going through hardship. And, and sometimes I've seen children go through homelessness sometimes, but the parents just had to do it because they knew that that was God, what God was asking them to do. But you know what? The decision that they made to release their child years down the line, they said, man, if I did not do that, he would not be thankful for it, or she would not be thankful for it. Some of us need to just trust God. A godly mother knows how to say, I've done my part. I can't keep doing it for the rest of my life. I gotta give, up to, give it up to God and know that he has it under his control. Somebody else might name him. Somebody else might carry him. Somebody else might raise him. But God, the time that you gave me with him and the time that you gave me with her, I was faithful. And that's what God is looking for, faithfulness in the middle of this world. Don't think that you can hold on and help every situation. Here's, here's a sad part. The Bible never says that Jochebed and Moses were reunited. Never. She probably died not having met him as a, as a big boy, leading the people. She probably was not alive during the time of the Exodus. Her faith was set up for the deliverance of Exodus. She, she played her part. And for some of us moms here, it's probably you're the sower. And God has chosen you in this lifetime or in this season to be sowers. And all you're doing is sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing. And sometimes you feel, man, I'm not getting anything back. And God's like, sometimes you won't see it immediately happening in front of your eyes. Trust. Trust the process. Trust that God has got your back. 
Because for, for some time, one generation will sow and another generation will reap. Your obedience will sow and your, gener- your generations will reap. Worship team, if you guys would like to come, help me out today. I thank God for my parents. I thank God for my mom that was a sower in her time. I thank God for the sacrifices she made. I don't know how many moms over here make sacrifices day after day. I'm pretty sure you do. I saw my mom to give me the life or to give me the education and my my sister and I the education that, man, otherwise we could not afford to send us to schools that were Christian schools that were Bible-based for us to grow up in the wisdom and the stature of the Lord. I knew the, the jobs that they had to take up, the distances that they had to travel, the, the four buses that my mom had to climb on from one to the other, oftentimes seeing her in front of my eyes hanging out of the doors, literally hanging out of doors because there was no space in the bus but literally hanging on to a bar for dear life because if she missed that bus, she would be 30 minutes late to work, but she had to plan it out accordingly to where she would take one bus, wait at the stop for 10 minutes, take another bus, wait 30 minutes sometimes so she would wake up early to make sure she didn't miss it because otherwise there wouldn't be bread on the table and fees paid for school. The sacrifices that we had to make as a family, but I knew that at that time I probably didn't understand it, but today when I look back, I reap the blessing of the sacrifices of my parents, and I thank God for men and women and mothers and fathers that make sacrifices without complaining day after day, knowing that man, the future is bright. This is God's promise, I'm I'm investing into something that God created, and when God creates it, he will take care of it. She trusted in faith. Would you stand up to your feet with me? So here's Shokabed. Here's where they got it right. Here's where they got it right. They made sure that the union was blessed by God. A Christian couple that starts with God raises kids the admonition of God. Kids that are raised in the admonition of God will be kids who will be raised with purpose, with vision, with a plan. Jacobed raises three kids who would deliver a nation. Not one. Not one. Three kids. Miriam, the firstborn, becomes the first prophetess of Israel. The first prophetess of Israel, Aaron, the the middle child, becomes the first priest of Israel. Moses, the labeled one, the one that looked at God and said, God, me, turned a group of tortured slaves into a nation that would change the world. A man that couldn't put one sentence together. The Bible never says that his stammer went away or God took his stammer away, but the, I, I don't know if it did or not. 
but I believe that my God could use his stammer and prove a point that he doesn't need your, your physical circumstances and your physical shortcomings to do great and mighty things. This man stood in front of a river. He stood in front of, of a body of water and saw the water part. My question to some of us today is, where are we? Where are we? I want to say a prayer for some people today, and uh, I know some of us are hurting today. Some of us are hurting for various reasons, probably because you don't have a mother figure in your life right now. For me, Mother's Day was hard because I, was, I never had my mother around for a long time, for the last 10 years, a majority of those 10 years. My mom was not around. Throughout the year, I would go through lonely periods where you always need mom to talk to, pick up the phone and call sometimes, to go by and eat her food. For me, it was that. For some of you others, it's probably pain of an experience that you went through with your mother whatever that, that looks like. For some of you, it's probably that you can't bear children. Or you're going through a situation in your life that probably threatens the, the, the fabric of your ability to bear children, a physical condition that threatens it. I don't know what you're going through. But I can tell you this, that God's hand is on you. His unconditional love is upon you. And He has chosen you, and He's chosen everything that comes out of you. He has blessed it. I know so many people are not here today. They're probably worshiping with their moms, or you're probably worshiping with your mom today. And it's such a joy to be here worshiping with mom. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.